sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And it's a day without NFL football. How odd. Happy fantasy sports today with you here on this Wednesday. Craig Bish, Joe Pizapia. Lots to get to here on the show today. Benny Ricciardi is going to be with us. We'll take an early look at the lines for coming up this week in the NFL. Also, the NBA season kicks off in a few weeks. The preseason begins this weekend, and we're going to have Scott Bogman do a little preview of that. I'm interested to see who the top five picks in fantasy basketball will be this year. Uh, Joe Pizapia, as always, with me here on this Wednesday. Good to see you here, Joe, on the 9th of December, the chilliest day that we've had in South Florida in quite some time. So all of the coats have to be out a little bit. I mean, we almost hit 50. So, you know, it's it's, it's serious now. It's literally snowing where I live. It's literally snowing out my window right now. So I'm sure your 62 degrees and your big winter jackets are all out there and everyone's huddled up by the fire pit and uh, roasting s'mores while we're out here freezing in New Jersey already and the snow is falling and I'll probably have to, uh, you know, dust it off my car and do all that stuff. So, yeah, so this is the juxtaposition. At least I could have given me a football game today. I mean, what am I doing here? Monday, Tuesday, it's Wednesday. I know I got a game tomorrow, but I like my Wednesday game. I proved that last week. So, Yes, a football, a game a day keeps the doctor away as far as I'm concerned, Craig Mish. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be interesting. I'm really dialed in this college basketball over the last mm-hmm. few nights has been pretty wild. And uh, to see Coach K's comments after Duke losing last night saying that he thinks the season should be paused and we're only a week in is kind mm-hmm. of wild. So a lot to dive into here on the show today. Let's take a look at our headlines here on Fantasy Sports Today for the 9th of December, 2020, closing in here on 2021. Des Bryant last night was removed from the uh, the Tuesday night football game during warm-ups. The Ravens end up winning that game pretty handily. Uh, one, one significant signing in the hot stove, Carlos Santana, two-year, $17 million deal with the Royals. Clearly, he can play a little first base. He can play a little designated hitter, but this is a good sign to see the Royals jumping back into it. Their pitching has been pretty good. Nice young pitching coming, but their offensive prospects uh, have not, so need to add a little offense, and that's what they did. Now, last night we saw something in college basketball that we haven't seen in a long time, which is basically a school that has very little awareness, ends up beating one of the top five power programs in uh, Division II Fort Hayes State. They beat Kansas State in their biggest win in school history and perhaps the, I would say, the biggest embarrassment for the Wildcats in their history, too. What a wild scenario. A lot of big favorites have been going down in the early part of college basketball. And again, when you consider the fact that college basketball is one of those sports where the huge advantage is playing in your own arena with fans, with students, not happening this year. And finally, the NHL and the NHLPA discussing a January 13th return date. So we'll, of course, uh, have hockey coming back at the beginning of the year. And so, Joe... It will be uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how we move forward here. We do have now uh, injury report day. A lot of folks I know are headed toward the fantasy football playoffs officially. Ezekiel uh, Elliott last night for me came up about six points short. Even with that win, don't know that I would have got in because of tiebreaker stuff. But uh, I will be uh, advancing into the fantasy football playoffs with one of my other leagues. Godwin was off last week. He'll come back. My lineup is pretty much at full strength. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it this weekend. 
Yeah, I got a couple of playoff shares, but once again, the one that matters the most, everybody knows I'm a big wrestling guy. If I don't get another belt, as we welcome in our radio audience here to Sports Grid, this is Fantasy Today with Craig Mish and me, Joe Pizapia. And unfortunately, I will not be defending my championship this year in the playoffs in the Flex League. It's very sad. I lost on a tiebreaker to Chris Harris. Uh, obviously, if you're in the fantasy football world, you know Chris. Uh, it's some big names missed the playoffs this year in Flex. Myself, our good friend here at the network, Dave Martinez, Adam Ronis. Three of the guys, uh, you know, those guys, those names, I mean, some of the best there is in the industry, Jen Ryan. I mean, this is why this league is so competitive. This is why I love it so much, because you are battling against the best of the best. And uh, unfortunately, I'm on the outside looking in. But when you lose your first two picks, this is what happens sometimes. But you never give up. See, you fight to the end. And this is what we always talk about. Don't be that team that just gives up because just on a tiebreaker of points, I ended up losing so you never know what can happen. And I will say this, you know, touching on the college basketball, uh, I've said it before here on the show, and I'll reiterate it here again. I do believe this is going to be quite a challenge. It's an indoor sport, but the numbers going up here in the wintertime, I think it's going to be a real challenge for college basketball to come off without a hitch. I do think we will get March Madness. It's just going to be a weird, delayed, odd season there. And this signing by the Royals of Carlos Santana, Craig, you know, if I could bring it back around to baseball real quick. It's a fascinating signing. You know, last week they acquired Mike Miner too, which was kind of a, a quiet little deal. that I don't even know if we mentioned on the show because of when it happened and when yeah. it all went down with all the madness. But, you know, at, at times last year, you know, you look at that that uh, that rotation and Singer looks like he could be something. Uh, you've got some young talent coming through that organization with the pitching. You have Keller. You know, all of a sudden now you bring in Santana. Now I imagine he's going to play – more first base than people realize, because I don't know if you want to move Solaire back from the DH spot uh, into the field again, but if he goes to first and Dozier goes to third, you have Whit Merrifield, you have Solaire, it's a pretty good lineup. It feels like the Royals are kind of taking this offseason very seriously, Craig, and if some of that young pitching comes into age a little bit quicker than people realize, maybe the Royals aren't quite the doormat that people thought they were last year going into 2021. Yeah, and I think the thing with the Royals is, and not at the level of the White Sox, clearly, but it's been five years, you know, like it's right. eventually you got to start winning a little bit and you got to start adding a little bit. And the fans, I think, will accept these rebuilds and accept these teardowns. But if you're four or five years in and you still aren't winning anything, I think you have to question it. And look, the central at this point could be a changing of the guard. Maybe Cleveland goes down. Detroit is certainly still down. I would think Kansas City is above them. We'll see what Santana ends up doing for the Royals in 2021. Okay, our fantasy standouts from Tuesday night's NFL game, Ravens and Dallas Cowboys. Break it all down for you next right here on Sports Grid. Stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia. We had a Tuesday night football game in the NFL, honestly, one that I forgot about. <laughs> I mean, basically forgot about the game until I saw it was like halfway over. Uh, but uh, it looked like it was over before it started. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that uh, that I watched this game last night because I didn't. But I'm going to go ahead and give you the fantasy standouts here. And then we'll, <laughs> we'll pass it over to Joe. He could talk for seven minutes and I'll just sit. 
Uh, okay, so uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, 12 for 17, 107 passing yards, 94 rushing yards, three touchdowns. So maybe this is the way that the Ravens are just going to go here, just all running because they clearly had the running game going. Teams have been able to throw on Dallas all season long, but when you don't have your top weapon in Andrews, I suppose this could be the result. Gus Edwards, seven carries, 101 yards. That product probably helped nobody. Dobbins, 11 carries, 71 yards. I feel like next year will be a nice a nice year for him, but kind of mm-hmm. I feel like if you drafted him, time's run out on you there. Uh, Marquise Brown, five receptions, 39 yards, touchdowns in back-to-back games. Gallup, seven for 86 and a touchdown. Amari Cooper, five for 43 and a score. And uh, CeeDee Lamb did a little bit. I'll have him in my playoff game next year or next week, excuse me. Hopefully he does a little bit there. So, uh, look, I, I don't know. Dallas is just terrible. It's just such a shame to see <laughs> them this bad. And, and the Ravens just pummeled them. And I don't know how good the Ravens are, but I know that the Cowboys, I mean, sadly – or I don't know how many teams are better than, I mean, that's probably a good question to ask. How many teams are better than the Cowboys right now? Or worse, I'm sorry. How many teams are worse? Worse? Oh, worse. Only a Jets. handful. The Jets, the Jaguars. Uh, but I'll tell you what, yeah. on a weekly basis in terms of effort level, I think you get more effort level out of both of those teams at times than you get out of the Cowboys. And I know that's kind of people say they roll their eyes and think I'm just kind of hot taking stuff, but you're watching the games man i mean sometimes the effort level out of the dallas cowboys is is poor and and sometimes the scheme is poor too and i i think that to me and and we'll get to the ravens in a second but since we started here with the cowboys might as well take this diatribe that i've been you know cultivating in my mind for the last 12 uh, hours or so after watching that game and and i would say this you know i to me, you've got Mike Nolan there, who was a head coach in the NFL and a coordinator before. He's your defensive coordinator. you got Mike McCarthy. Now, between these two guys, it's like 30 years of experience in the NFL. And it is stunning to me at times how ill-prepared they are in terms of game plan, how ill-prepared they are in terms of execution, and how time and time again you have people, especially on the defensive side of things, they've gotten healthier. You know, Van Der Esch did miss a good chunk of the of the season, and he was a very important part of that defense. When he went down, things certainly did get worse. He came back, starting to look a little better at times, that defense, but still the secondary gets torched on a regular basis. The safeties are out of position. And, and you know, it didn't really haunt them too much last night, only because they didn't throw the ball a whole lot. But this is why you see on a regular basis this defense get lit up. It's because they're out of position. It's because, you know, you've got one guy who thinks they're playing zone on that play and another guy who thinks they're playing man-to-man. They just have a guy blow right by them. And the next thing you know, you're looking around going, how do you let that happen? How how does that even happen that you don't even know what the coverage is? It's one thing to blow the coverage and screw up or have a guy run past you and he's just better. You fall down, whatever that might be. How do you just not even know what coverage you're in? And this is about preparation. And this is why... I do believe that Mike McCarthy will be one and done as a Cowboys head coach. I think the lack of preparation on a weekly basis for this team is stunning. And they have a lot more talent. And the way sometimes they are competitive or even close at the half in some of these games is because they have some incredible talent on their team. They have guys like Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott and CeeDee Lamb. They've got some pieces there where those guys can make plays. And CeeDee Lamb could have had a touchdown. There was a terrible non-hold call in the first half of that game that should have absolutely been probably a touchdown had he not been held. But uh, somehow, right in front of the referee, missed it. I don't know how the, the judge missed that call. I just stunning to me how that happened. But look, at the end of the day, with the Cowboys side of this game, to me, Craig, this is about lack of preparation, lack of execution, and that all goes to the coaching staff. So you can fire coordinators all you want. 
it just feels like Mike McCarthy's had the game kind of passing by. And if you look at where Green Bay is two years removed from Mike McCarthy and what they are now, as opposed to where they were a couple years ago when he was still the head coach, it kind of starts to feel the same. This is the same kind of things that I remember talking about on podcasts with the Green Bay Packers. Like They're just not prepared. And if you see last year how that defense really kind of showed up last year and was much better than people anticipated being for Green Bay, remember that was kind of the big surprise early in the year, that first game against the Bears, people said, wow, that Green Bay Packer defense, a lot better year over year. Well, now they've basically picked up and moved that lack of preparation over to Dallas. And I think it's really hard sell for Jerry Jones to think that next year it's going to get better. And I know Dak is out. I get that. But Craig, what do you think? Do you think that I'm kind of being hyperbolic here? Or do you think that eventually there's accountability and somebody can do a better job than what Mike McCarthy and the staff have done with the talent they have? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that if you took Russell Wilson off Seattle, I could see a similar scenario with them. So I'm not like totally... Um, I'm not totally on board with it, but what I would say from, from some of the things that I read this morning about Dallas's situation uh, with McCarthy, which is fair of what you're saying is this, if they don't fire him, what happens if they start one and three again next year? Like really like, like now you got to go through all of this again, if you really are not sure. So I think that in Dallas's situation, because of the pressure of winning there, if they're not sure, they probably should get rid of him. Because I don't think they want to be down this road in October looking at their record and then asking the same question and then not having the head coach and not having a plan. So I, I do think that Dallas would be 8-8 eight and eight with Prescott. I do. I think they'd be much better. But right now, they're they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. I, I think that if, if they're at home in a game, and again, it's hard because they're the Cowboys and they're going to be favored just because people are going to bet them. But mm -hmm. outside of the Jets and probably Jacksonville, and I don't even know if I'm missing anybody. Like, I think that'd probably be it. I don't think they're a favorite over any team. In the, maybe the Chargers, too. Maybe those three teams in the NFL, given where we are at this moment. I think mm -hmm. that's probably it. Carolina, I would make a favorite for sure in, uh, in, in Dallas. But, uh, look, it's, it, it's going to be something they're going to have to address. And, and for them... I think personally, it is time for Jerry Jones to go back to what he did 20 years ago and and hire somebody to help out, like running the team, like like a Parcells or Jimmy Johnson. Like it's 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 time for that again. I think I, I really do. And and you know the coaches that he brings in are always his guys, and it's him and his sons running the team. And look, they mm -hmm. always are very aggressive in free agency. They run a great operation there. You cannot argue with the, with the attempt. They always make the attempt, but it's not. It hasn't, and it hasn't been successful for a while. So, and they did draft Dak Prescott too. I mean, this is the Jerry Jones and his son. So, they, they I don't want to hammer Jerry Jones. Right? Look, they, I don't want to hammer. They drafted Logan Vanderush. They, they've drafted pretty yeah, well. Yeah. It's not a matter of talent evaluation. I don't think it's a matter of preparation and execution. And you know what? Jerry Jones took a lot of heat the last couple of years for sticking with Jason Garrett as long as he did. Because there was a lot. Remember, you know, there was a lot of disappointment there year over year. Boy, Cowboys should be better than they are. You know what? I, I think you look back on it now with a little bit more perspective. And Jason Garrett, I think they hung on with him because they felt like they had a good chance to win football games. I think you look at this organization now, and I don't think you think that. I think you look at every week, and like you're saying, I mean, who are they going to be favored against the rest of the season? Uh, and that, and that is, you know, you don't want to be at the dregs of the NFL. You're the Dallas Cowboys. Look at the look at the talent you have on this roster. It's a good roster. The problem is they are don't have good game plans. They don't execute well. They're not in proper position. They don't make adjustments in the second half. 
And, and look, going back to the Ravens real quick, because we basically filibustered here on the Cowboys for a good old segment. But, you know, we talked yesterday about it's time to just let Lamar be Lamar and just run all over things. And he did. He destroyed. He basically doubled the prop for rushing yards. And, of course, the passing yards weren't as much. Still some deficits there. Good to see J.K. Dobbins being good. I think I agree with you that J.K. Dobbins next year is a guy that I think the draft stock will have helium, and rightfully so. I think he's going to be the quote-unquote guy in that backfield next year, but they still have to bring in an Allen Robinson type. They still have to bring somebody else because although Marquise Brown had another touchdown in this game, he had another key drop, one which led to uh, an interception there that really could have changed this game for the worst for the Baltimore Ravens, and it was sheerly an interception based on effort. One hand out there, ball goes off of him. I don't know who he thinks he is sometimes, but the effort level and the consistency that he brings down in and down out is not good. It is inconsistent, and they need somebody more consistent in that wide receiving core going into next year. Ravens are set. They uh, just basically got to win out, and they can get in the playoffs. They needed that win last night, though, for sure, and they got it in a convincing way. All right, we'll take our first look at the point spreads with Benny Ricciardi coming up and our first look at fantasy basketball with Scott Bogman. They join Joe next, so don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today, and it's time for four downs with our good friend, Benny Ricciardi, who is all hyped up on Mountain Dew and good feelings from another Jets loss. He is ready to rock and roll for us, and we're going to do a little lucky sevens on four downs, it seems like, because all the games Benny wants to talk about this week all have a seven in the line, and he's got a plan for you, and uh, Benny... Uh, I hope you've had a nice holiday and everything. And here we are. We're back to uh, where we're at. And uh, the first game we've got, we've got the Saints taking on the Eagles. The Eagles have a new quarterback starting this week. It's going to be Jalen Hurts. So I don't know if that kind of changes your tune about this game at all or how you want to approach it or even from a DFS side, if it's something we should pay attention to. So let's start here. The Eagles and Saints. This was going to be in Philadelphia. Minus seven on the side of the Saints. Uh, the over-under for this game is 45 and a half. So let's start here. Walk me through your thoughts on this game. And I know you got a lot of teasers for us, so I hope I've teased this segment enough for you to kick things off here. So Saints, Eagles, let's go. Yeah, all right. So first off, for DFS, you want nothing to do with this game. <laughs> like we talk about the rookie quarterbacks all the time, and they're fun, and they're great, and they're cool to think about for fan bases for the future. But you do not want to be playing rookie quarterbacks in DFS. You definitely don't want to be playing them against the Saints, who over the last five weeks have given up an average of 8.8 points. That is ridiculous. Five games, 44 points is all that this defense has allowed. Now, we talk every week about how I am higher on the Saints than I feel like the market is, and this week is no different. My number, even before the Carson Wentz news, was Saints minus 10. This actually opened at 6.5. It's sitting at 7 or 7.5 right now. So, again, three weeks in a row I'm saying, hey, I'm higher on the Saints than the market. Three weeks in a row we cash tickets by doing it. So, at this point, we're not going to stop. We're just going to keep playing them at this point. And here's the thing I wanted to talk about today. Not only are all four of the games we're going to talk about here on four downs, games that have spreads of about seven or seven and a half, but they're all road teams that we're going to talk about here. So, these are teasers that you can take down from seven and a half to one and a half. Teasing it through the number seven, the number three, which are two key numbers, a field goal and a touchdown, which a lot of NFL games wind up ending in. And here's the reason why I don't mind that these are all road teams. So far this year, road teams are 96, 94, and one. So they're actually above 500 road teams this year. If you look back the last five years to 2015, 
The winning percentage for road teams is about 44%. So you would figure about 84, 106 would be the expectation. So we're playing about 12 wins above what an average road team does on an average NFL football year. So right now, even though all these teams are on the road, I don't really care because the home field advantage this year is way less than what it usually is. Because when you're down there trying to call an audible and there's nobody in the stands, right. it's a hell of a lot easier for everybody on your team to hear it than it is when you got 50,000, 60,000 screaming fans of the opposing team trying to make sure that they don't. Yeah, it's a great point. It's something we've noticed all throughout the year, and it's something to really keep an eye on this time of year, too, because, you know, this is that nitty-gritty time for a lot of these teams, and when you don't have those those crowds, and also the players feed off the crowd, too, and there's a big play, and you yep. don't get that big crowd reaction. It's not the same momentum change that it is in a normal NFL season. I think we all would agree with that. All right, let's move on to the next one here. The number is seven and a half. Again, lucky sevens all the way. Benny pulled the slot machine lever, and everything turned up seven this week for him. So seven and a half, the Titans are favored on the road again at Jacksonville. Now Jacksonville's hung in some games here. I know the number for this is 53 and a half, the over under, but you know, the Jaguars, you know, they're able to run the football with James Robinson, the Titans though, you know, they are Jekyll and Hyde. They are the team that can look like they can compete with anyone and they go and they, you know, can look bad against Indianapolis and good against Indianapolis. And then all of a sudden in a game where you think they should look really good, all of a sudden they get the doors blown off basically by Cleveland last week. So I guess when you're looking at this and, and you're looking at the Titans, I guess the question is which Titans team shows up and do you think whatever team that is, that it's enough for the seven and a half? Because once again, this, this to me seems like a pretty big number for a team that is really inconsistent. And that's despite Jacksonville shortcomings. And there are many shortcomings in Jacksonville, but I feel like we're giving too much credit almost to Tennessee and almost not enough to Jacksonville. Well, yes, I know. That's one of the reasons why I won't take the seven and a half in this game, mm-hmm. but I do like us teasing it down to one and a half. Cause you mentioned the Jaguars have been playing a little bit better the last couple of weeks. But you know what the Jaguars have done every one of those games, Joe? They lost by at least two points. So <laughs> down from seven and a half to one and a half, I mean, we're still right in line. And those games have not been against a team like the Tennessee Titans. And here's the thing about the Titans that I want people to understand is you look at them and you're like, yes, they're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde over the last couple of games here. Three and four over their last seven games. But it's not like they're losing to bad teams. They lost to Pittsburgh. They lost to Indianapolis. They lost to Cleveland. Those are great playoff teams. That's they true. That's fair. Cincinnati, who's not a playoff team, but they lost to Cincinnati when Cincinnati still had Joe Burrow, and it was at Cincinnati. So was it a good loss? Not really, but it's one that I can at least give an excuse for. They've also beaten some good teams because they beat the Colts, they beat the Ravens, and they beat the Bears, right. who are other three other teams that are right into that playoff punt, if not in the playoffs at this point in time. You know, the Bears, I don't really think are going to get there. but No, I don't think they think they're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, But the Colts and the Ravens are teams that probably could or probably should. The Jags are one of the worst teams in football. Yes, they are playing better, but they are still one of the worst teams in football. I actually had this number at like 11 or 12 for the Titans. So when I saw seven and a half, I thought, wow, that was a little low. It opened at nine and a half in places and has actually come down. Again, I don't like chasing the steam in the wrong direction. But if I could add six points to it now from seven and a half and get it down below two, now I'm interested in. So I wasn't interested in this game at the beginning of the week, but I'm definitely a lot more interested in it now. Again, I don't need them to beat the Jags by two touchdowns. I just need them to win by a field goal, not even two points. Now, in the in the FanDuel side of things, when we're looking at this game, too, do we look again to, you know, get reinvested in the Titans offense? Because Henry was disappointing last week. We all know that. He had the big fumble. You know, Brown got banged up in that game. Corey Davis was great. But, you know, that's another guy, too. It's kind of really proven that if he's healthy, Corey Davis can be a contributor. Are you back in on the Titans this week uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars in terms of fantasy? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely would be back in on Derrick Henry. I hope everybody is mad at him. Derrick Henry in the month of December is making people more money than, you know, collecting gift cards at this point. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, again, it gets cold weather. You already don't want to tackle. Teams are starting to be yeah. out of it. They don't, you know, I mean, you're 1-11. You're on the Jags. You see Derrick Henry rolling at you. Are you going to step in front of no, him? Or is no. going to be one of those no. like, hey, you know what? I, I got a career to think about and kids and all that stuff. So I'm back in on Derrick Henry. I like Corey Davis this week because, again, you mentioned A.J. Brown's banged up. John New Smith didn't play last week either. All so right. so there's in there too. some of those pass catchers. And here's a here's a sneaky one if you're playing a bunch of tournament lineups. You want something a little bit, a little bit off the wall here. Adam Humphreys came back last week. And that's a guy who could wind up getting some work out of the slot, maybe seeing a couple more targets, especially if there's no John New because he runs those same kind of routes over the middle of the field. Whether or not he gets in the end zone is really going to be the difference there. You kind of need him to get a touchdown. But, again, you take A.J. Brown out, you take John Smith out, you know, the less receivers that are out there, the more of a chance it is that he's going to be one of those guys that Tannehill trusts enough to uh, throw some passes his way. So I think he could be a sneaky play for fantasy this week. All right, let's move on to the Chiefs. I actually thought they would be favored by more than this game. Seven and a half at Miami, uh, over under is 48 and a half. But, I mean, this seems like actually a small number to me. I think the Chiefs are still the class of the NFL. And, they look, the Dolphins are good. The Dolphins certainly have a great effort level. The, the defense has played well. But two is not really thrilling right now on the offensive side of the ball. So how is this only seven and a half, I guess, is my question. Yeah, you know what the funny thing is? Of the four games we're going to talk about here, this is the one where the line is actually the closest to the numbers that I have, too. Mm-hmm. I have Kansas City favored by about eight and a half in this game. So the line is not off by that much. The Chiefs lately have not been playing that great. They've won four games in a row, but they've lost every one of those four games against mm-hmm. Fred. But again here, the important part of it is they won all four of those games. So at seven and a half, I don't know if I want to take that number, but this is why I like a lot of these teaser pieces this week because – I don't think there's any way Kansas City loses this game to Miami. And I am I have a lot of respect for Miami. We've talked about Miami on this show a couple mm-hmm. times before. It's been a team that I've been higher on than most people. But I don't expect them to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this week. If I could tease the Chiefs down to one and a half, basically just needing them to win a game, I'm going to feel comfortable about that. And here's the other thing I love about teasing the Chiefs down and having money on the Chiefs, Joe. If there's a close game at the end, there is literally nobody else whose hands I want the ball in. Right, the Patrick my Mahomes. on the line with my right. wife on the sure, line. Sure, absolutely. The Patrick Mahomes, and he showed us that over the last couple of weeks too, is, you know, even if you bottle this offense up for a little while, when crunch time comes and Mahomes has a chance, they're going to make something happen. Yeah, they haven't been good in the red zone lately, but, you know, that, that's something I think is going to turn around. They, they also have to get better running the football too. All right, last one. Packers, seven and a half on the road again against the Lions. I understand last week, no head coach. Okay, you know, we win the game. Yay, rah, rah, all that stuff. But I feel like that only lasts as long as you're playing now against Aaron Rodgers is a whole different story. So seven and a half is the number here. Uh, the over-under is 55 and a half. So Benny, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, nine and a half is the number that I have on this game. So, again, a little bit of an edge on where they have it there. Not really crossing any key numbers between my number and the number that they're offering. If this game, like the Saints started the week at six and a half, I pounded that right away. I had that as uh, as a 10-point game. This one I have nine and a half, but it opened at seven and a half and it's kind of stayed there. So, again, I don't want to take that number straight up, but I love the idea of teasing this number down. You know, Detroit did beat Chicago last week, but they were behind in most of that game. Chicago is not a very good team. Like you mentioned it, it's a big difference playing against Green Bay than it is playing against Chicago. <laughs> Green Bay, 9-3, and 8-4 against the spread. You know, they're coming off their last two games where they were eight-point favorites, and they covered both of those games. They beat Philly, they were an eight-point favorite. They beat the Bears, I think they were eight-and-a-half-point favorite yeah. in that game. So 
they've been covering left and right. They beat up on this Lions team in week two. It was 42-21 in that game. And the Lions still had Kenny Galladay in that game. You know, I'm not really sure what's up with DeAndre Swift right now. But there was a, a quote that Adrian Peterson had this week. I don't know if you saw this, Joe. I did. Didn't. I saw the same yeah. one. He didn't seem right, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's scary stuff. Lines of like he, he took a hit in the head, a little bit of a concussion. Didn't seem like he was back to being his normal self there. So really, I'm looking at this Detroit offense, and I'm saying, all right, there's no DeAndre Swift, so you're back to Adrian Peterson. Right. You know, there's no Kenny Galladay, so you're down to Marvin Jones and Marvin Hall and Quentin Cephas and all those other guys that they got thrown out there, which is a step down from what they have there at their best. Even at their best, I still would think that Green Bay was an eight or nine point favorite in this game. So to me, seeing them at seven and a half, being able to tease them down another one to two points, getting through the seven and the three, there's just so many of these teams that set up well for teasers. And I think part of the reason why is that I am not giving as much respect as Vegas might be to home field advantage this year. And I gave you guys the numbers at the beginning of why. There you have it. All right. He's Benny Ricciardi. Make sure you go check him out at fade the noise and go follow him on Twitter at Benny R 11. Benny, you were sweating out that jet game a little bit this weekend or what? Huh? I know you were rooting for the L. (laughs) Listen, I don't, I don't really want Trevor Lawrence. Not that I don't want him, but there's other things I'd rather see them do with the pick, but I'm cutting you on that. We'll be right back. More fantasy sports today, right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Our next guest you're familiar with because if you listen to SportsGrid radio stuff, you know he's the better half of the In This League podcast. It's the one, the only Scott Bogman. And Bog's also the co-host of the Black Book podcast with myself and contributor to the Fantasy Black Book series. He is a very, very talented man and wears many hats. And not just fantasy football and baseball, but also basketball too. And it's that season, it's that time of year where... That's right. Season-long fantasy basketball is out there, and it's sometimes even awkward for me to say, and I actually just played in my first season-long basketball league two years ago, and luckily, because of Scott Bogman, I followed his advice, and I actually made the playoffs, and I did okay. I actually won money in it, and I am not the greatest basketball guy, so get your pen and paper out. Take some notes, because Bogs is going to take us through. He just was uh, part of the Roto World draft for uh, for the mock draft, going through there, trying to get an idea what ADP looks like. So, Bogs, we're getting closer to the NBA season. So let me ask you, how is this NBA season going to basically stack up now, and how are we preparing? Because we are in uncharted waters here, where the NBA just finished in <laughs> the late summer, early fall. <laughs> That's something we're really used to. And now all of a sudden it's starting back up again in December. So how does this layup, or lack thereof, kind of affect maybe the beginning of the season. Joe, I don't know if you've heard this before, but we're in unprecedented times, right? No one's ever said that. that. (laughs) Yeah. Very poignant thought for me to have just come up with just now, but uh, yeah, it is a very different uh, 
season. Obviously, normally we start about mid-October. Uh, now we are starting in late December. We thought we were going to get till Martin Luther King Day uh, to start the season, but the NBA said they would lose $500 million or somewhere in that range if they didn't Is get the all? Christmas slate in. So uh, so we're getting games before Christmas. So this year, I mean, you know it, Joe, and I know it because we've played baseball and football, but what a lot of basketball people uh, are going to be new to because we had the bubble last year is uh, COVID and, and players are going to miss games. So uh, you're going to, you're going to have that. So I would expand your IR spots. If you can obviously make them eligible for COVID players on, on that list. And also, like you mentioned, there's going to be a lot of players with extra rest time, LeBron being the main one to worry about. So I think if we weren't worried about LeBron, because he already says that he you know, he needs an extra break. And he was one of the guys leading the charge to get the start after the new year. Uh, he's a guy that takes a little bit of a dip and guys with uh, known injury histories or guys that sit like Kawhi Leonard are going to uh, take a little bit of a dip. I have Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James as like bottom of the first round players, but I got Kawhi at pick 17 in the mock draft the other day because wow. People don't want to take him. I mean, his talent is way up there, but he misses games. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough, especially in weekly leagues to keep pace with those guys. Yeah, I can see that here as I'm looking at the uh, second round here, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant Embiid, and LeBron James kind of went in a row there in the second round. So certainly some big names, but uh, certainly not necessarily their first round picks because some question marks there, obviously, as you're bringing up, let's talk about the very top of the board though. So is it, I mean, James Harden was the number one pick there and still some question marks about where James Harden's even going to play and yeah, how that just showed up at camp uh, like. 10 minutes oh, before did. we started. Oh, this. well, that's good. So that we got his COVID test in. All yeah, but, you know, just because you're at camp doesn't mean you're going to be playing there. So very true. In all fairness. So so it's Anthony Davis. There's uh, there's Luca. Uh, there's a few guys kind of battling for that number one spot. If you had the number one overall pick in a league this year, which way would you go? I'm still going James Harden, especially with Russell Westbrook leaving town. I mean, okay. you know, John Wall comes in, but. I'm sure he's going to get rested on occasion. So uh, AD has the injury history. He's the clear cut number two though. But with James Harden and his insane usage rating, even with Mike D'Antonio gone, uh, you know, I, I think he's still the number one player to me. Now, as you're going and say the opposite of the first round too, what would be your approach? Let's say that you are at the, you know, that bottom of the first round, what kind of players would be looking up to double up or who are you targeting? You're saying, okay, I can really take advantage because I know you're kind of like me. Like I like to be at the top of the board or the bottom of the board. The middle is real dicey because then all of a sudden runs are kind of out of your control. But if you're at the bottom of the board here, I see names like Giannis. There's names like Collins. There's names like Westbrook. Those are the kind of guys going there, which makes sense. So uh, is there somebody that you would be targeting or trying to pick up in the best case scenario or even because of certain positions at this point, too, which I know we're going to get into talking more about in a second? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, being at the end is actually kind of nice. Uh, and I've picked eight in two of the industry mocks that I've done. One of them, I had Lillard fall to me. I think the other one I had Trey young fall to me. So mm -hmm. in the middle is not bad okay. also this year, uh, but at the end, yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at some type of a risk. I think the key there is to take one risk. I don't want to take KD and LeBron. You know what I mean? KD hasn't played in a year right. and LeBron's going to get rested. So pick one of them and then take a safer option. A, you know, Bradley Beal, 
a Devin Booker, uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Ayton and Vucevic are in consideration as well. So uh, I, I like to go one risk, whether it's Leonard, LeBron, KD, and then a solid player that doesn't offer much risk. Now, I know obviously year over year, the player pool, like every sport changes. And is there a player pool right now in terms of position where you think it's a little lighter or a little shallow where you feel like you should really target this earlier and try to get one of those elite guys at that position? Because frankly, it's just not as deep in terms of fantasy. And and we all know that that's, you know, kind of black book 101, right? That's relative right. position value. So if you're kind of taking RPV and putting it towards basketball this year, what would be that position that you would probably try to target? Uh, for me, it's center, you know, I, I small forward and center have, um, you know, they, they have a couple things going on there as far as depth, but the nice thing in basketball is that most positions qualify. Most players qualify at multiple positions. When you get to the, you know, the ones in the fives, the centers and the point guards, they qualify at less because they spend more time. You know, some guys are just rim protectors. Some guys are just passers on the uh, second team. So uh, I, but center is the big one, small forward, also kind of shallow, but luckily if you're playing on Yahoo and ESPN, even fan tracks, a lot of those guys cross over. And a lot of people have gone to just guard forward center as far mm-hmm. as qualifications and they've taken away Paul uh, power forward and small forward and all that good stuff. Is or that, Paul is that what you would recommend? Would you recommend it. kind of changing that up a little bit or actually do it? It depends on where you play. Like mm-hmm. if you play on Yahoo, the guys qualify across most spots anyway. So just go ahead and stick with the normal one. If you have, if you're on a platform with more uh, constrictive uh, player eligibility positionally, then yeah, maybe go to guard forward center. All right. Very good. All right. Let's talk about some of the guys who are buzzing right now in terms of uh, draft stock in fantasy drafts. And let's start with a big name. Let's start with Zion Williamson, because that's a guy that clearly, you know, everybody was talking about going into last season. And obviously, you know, last season was so strange with the stoppage and then picking back up again in the bubble. So I, I guess now it's fresh start here, even though it's, it's, it's a rather quick start to the year. So what are your expectations for Zion here in this 2020 slash 2021 season? I'm not actually going to be very high on Zion this year. And I was going into last year. Obviously uh, he was more hurt than we thought coming out of summer mm-hmm. camp. So right. uh, they're left a lot to be desired there, but you know, look that this guy is a fantastic real life player. He's a much, much better real player than fantasy player. He doesn't really shoot threes. He averaged just over half an attempt per game last year and made you know, half of those. So 0.3 per game, he scores a bunch of points. He gets a decent amount of rebounds, uh, 6.3 last year and 22.5 points in 27 minutes. Uh, but assist he's good for his spot. He gets two, but what you really want with a big man like this is steals and blocks. And he right. had uh, less than one steal 0.7 per game and less than half a block 0.4 while contributing two and a half turnovers. If you're a nine cat. So I like Zion but I am not going to be drafting him in many spots because his ADP is going around, you know, 25 or 30. So it's very, um, it's too high for me, too rich for my blood. I'm not going to do it. All right. Is there any other buzzworthy name out there too, that for good or bad that you think people should either target or stay away from? I think uh, SGA Shea uh, Gilgis Alexander from Oklahoma city. Now that Chris Paul has moved on to Phoenix. He's getting a lot of run in both these expert drafts that I've done. He has gone high in the second round. 
little rich for me. I'd rather take him at the end of the second round. I just think you're stripping all the value at the top of the second, but the top of the second is a lot of those risky guys, which is why he's going in that range. Um, so he, he's real good. Christian Wood moving to Houston should get a nice bump as well. And I mean, there's, there was a lot of movement this off season. I, I, I've been drafting <laughs> Chris Paul a bunch too, uh, uh. even though he is an injury risk, but I really like that fit in Phoenix next to Booker and Aiton. going to get Booker some open shots and Aiton some easy shots. So I'm really excited about CP three this year. All right. So let's go to the back end of the draft now. And everybody's looking for the sleepers, which really there's no such thing. We all know there's no such thing as sleepers because everybody who has even a little bit of draft value gets talked about incessantly to the point where they end up being overhyped by the time you get to actual draft. But for the sake of everybody else out there who is at least looking for some names and at least some value, who are some of the dart throws later on in some of these drafts that you've seen in terms of trend that you think people should at least take notice of? They're going late and they have upside to outperform their ADP, which is something in fantasy, no matter what sport it is, we're always looking for. Yeah, I mean, look, this year, I'm not going to be big on rookies, right? Because there's no summer league. There is uh, barely any preseason at all. And these guys just got drafted. It feels like yesterday. So, you know, uh, there's not a lot of ramp up time and not a lot of time to build chemistry with your teammates and stuff. But in the last round is where I like to add some players or in the late rounds, Anthony Edwards, first pick going to Minnesota, uh, obviously a pretty decent one. I think Obi Toppin uh, going to the Knicks, you know, they do have a lot of players in that spot, but they are very fond of this guy, a little bit older for a draft prospect. Mm -hmm. I think he's, you know, 21 instead of 19, he's ancient, (laughs) but uh, you know, so uh, I I like him. I think Denny Avidija from Washington is going to get a little bit of playing time as well. And then, uh, you know, Marco Fultz is not going quite at the end but I do like him and uh, Kemba Walker. I got in the 10th round because of his injury and look, you know, you are supposed to this year specifically mitigate a lot of your risks and things like that. But 10th round for a guy whose ADP was in the thirties, like, you know, high thirties as well uh, before we found out about this injury. And I understand he's in no rush to come back. You're going to have to fill your IR with uh, a bunch of other players this year because of COVID too, but I'm willing to take one of those guys. I don't want many injury risk guys and I don't want, uh, I really don't want guys hurt going into the season, but if you can get them in the 10th, why not try, especially if you're in a head to head playoff league, you know, uh, you can get him for that back end stretch. So if you want to see the results from this draft, go ahead over to Roto world and you'll see Bogman and all the other experts and their picks and where the value is. And you can start to prepare for yours because I'm sure that's coming up right about now. We are in draft season. There's no sleep anymore. We went from Don't baseball, basketball and football showing up and we had hockey. Everything was at the same time. And I feel like we're right back in the thick of it now too. wait for baseball to, to really heat up again too soon. It's just craziness. This has been the year that doesn't quit. Uh, we're going to keep Bogman around though. Talk a little waiver wire with him. But before we do, let's switch gears from basketball to football. I think it's a good thing that you're not undefeated anymore with your Pittsburgh Steelers bogs. Are you, how are you taking the loss? Are you, are you okay? I'm very happy you're even here today with us. I mean, look, you know, I'm, I'm with you as far as getting the loss under the belt. So there, it takes the pressure off moving forward and all that stuff. But I mean, come on, the writing was on the wall. You didn't have to be a genius to see this one coming. The, the Washington has 10 days to prep. The Steelers have five. They just lost a big name. 
uh, on the defense and Bud Dupree, Robert's playing Second around the middle name. of the game. I mean, yeah, yeah, Devin yeah. Bush lost a couple weeks ago. I feel like nobody's talking about that enough, Boggs. They really exactly. Yeah. Well, Spillane still did well, but he got banged up in the second quarter in this game too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was about time and I'm not surprised it had happened. Exciting though, to see that front of Washington, you're an IDP guy like me, Chase, some of those boys Chase over there, be a stud. Chase young, Already is a stud. uh, sweat looks great, man. I I'm telling you, it's exciting times in Washington. All right, we're going to hit a break. We come back. We're gonna do a quick waiver wire Wednesday for you. So stick around more fantasy sports today, right here on sports grid, Scott Bogdan. I'll be right back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. Scott Bogman from In This League on SportsGrid Radio joining us, dropping some knowledge on the fantasy basketball season, which is just around the corner. I know what you're saying. It just ended and free agency and the draft. And yes, it's all happening right now, but we've also got football happening too. So let's hit some waiver wire. And I know a lot of leagues don't have waiver wire running anymore, but some do. And some morons are still out there playing championships week 17. So we're going to help everybody. (laughs) So let's get after it. Let's talk about waiver wire. And let's start with some of the guys at each position. I gave you like a team here. So we got Sam Darnold at the top. I think there's some garbage time in there for him, potentially in the Seattle game. Looked a little better with him and Crowder. Ty Johnson, who emerged, he's just 8% rostered bogs. And this is a dude that uh, certainly showed up last week and Gore got banged up early. Peyton Barber, the other running back. In terms of wide receivers, Kiki QT of Houston had a huge game, which not surprising, but certainly uh, inspiring to see Colin Johnson. So you got two Johnsons here for the price of one, 21% <laughs> rostered Rashad Higgins, 28% Cole commits the tight end of the week at 27. Nice stream there. And of course the giants defense at 35% playing better. I mean, going into Seattle doesn't get much better than that. Let's start with Ty Johnson here. So do you think this is a weird one off where they just weren't prepared for him? Or do you think maybe the jets have kind of stumbled on something here the last few weeks of the season? I kind of like Ty Johnson. I liked him coming out of Maryland. I thought he had an opportunity with Detroit. Obviously didn't make the most of it, but I like him here in New York with the Jets, especially. I mean, I've always said I thought Frank Gore was too dumb to get hurt. So, uh, but <laughs> with his concussion now, you know, I mean, I, I think I think he might miss a week. I mean, he's at the end of his career anyway, and you don't want to go out there no, and put it all on the line for Adam Gase. So no, that is I, definitely true. I think it's time for Ty Johnson to take over. And the one thing on offense that has worked on a week to week basis usually is the run game for them. So I kind of like him in this spot. He's a guy that, you know, sees a sliver and can take a whole bunch of yards. So I'm excited to see him again, get, you know, over 20 carries some somewhere in that neighborhood, hopefully. All right, real quick, Kiki QT, huge game for him, but we've seen him have good games and then disappear. Is this something we're buying into? I feel like regardless, you have to kind of spend some fab and pick him up, right? Cooks also with his like 11th concussion. So I think QT goes to the top of the line. I was excited about Isaiah Coulter, but for whatever reason, they didn't get him on the field. It's him and Chad Hansen and Steven Mitchell. So all, you know, CFF fun players, but not great pros. So that's uh, right. I'm big for QT as well. And as I said in segment one with you, you wear a lot of hats. He also hosts a college football podcast. Go follow him on Twitter at Bogman Sports. Go check out in this league on Sports Grid and the podcast. And check him out with me on the Fantasy Black Book on the Brawl Network, too. We're always spending quality time together, Bogs. Thanks, as always. 